Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the third chapter. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysantius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked him, What then shall we do? He answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to him to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we... What shall we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. This is the Gospel of the Lord. All right, if you can remain standing, if you will, I'll bless you. All right, Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the 
This was a difficult sermon to prepare um, because it's so confusing. It's almost like a riddle. I have lots of notes and little things I gleaned and stuff, but, you know, it's hard to preach a sermon from the text when the text is about John the Baptist and you know that it's really about Jesus, but included in that reading about John the Baptist, John is talking about how he and Jesus are actually different, and he's pointing to him, but John has a lot to say, and so it's confusing. Um, A lot of stuff happens in this gospel lesson. It's longer than most, but the most important thing I want you to remember about it is where it takes place. Um, Luke tells you a long list of names in the beginning, some of them places, some of them people, two of them myself unable to say. Um, John the Baptist, though, what's so excellent about it, Luke places when in time his ministry would begin. So he says, what, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar? So that would be like 28 AD, or as the kids say in confirmation class, CE, uh, which I uh, interpret to be Christ's era, uh, not the common era. Anyways, however, this is not occurring in some big, beautiful city like Jerusalem or um, Babylon or something like that. It's not even like happening in some beautiful oasis in the desert uh, where any of those important people that Luke lists, whether it be one of the, the, the tetrarchs or uh, the Caesar himself, they would all be hanging out by some pool, drinking out of a coconut. And uh, that is not where this reading takes place. This reading takes place in the wilderness by the Jordan River. The wilderness is not a place that you want to be, right? Especially back in the day, like, you know, you couldn't just call 911 if a creature was attacking you or you got lost or dehydrated. You probably really wouldn't even have a good concept of, like, Man, I feel like this because I didn't drink enough water today, you know. Uh, Imagine a desolate place. Imagine overgrown wilderness. No one's cutting the grass. Um, Imagine little, no, not little, rats that are big. River rats the size of small dogs, bigger than small dogs, coming in and out of the water. Um... This is the place that God chose to begin his ministry through John the Baptist and the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry. And Jesus would spend 40 days out here in the wilderness, uh, you know, being tempted, uh, pondering and studying God's word, all sorts of stuff. Um, But the the thing is, it's out in the wilderness, kind of like how God chose a ramshackle, you know, who knows, not an inn for his son to be born. This is the place, however, 
that he chose salvation would come. This is where the kingdom of God would break in and restore everything out in the wilderness. The wilderness is, if you can remember, it's where Adam and Eve were banished to. It's where the Israelites wandered aimlessly for 40 years. Uh, And it's also where you and I find ourselves. We live ourselves in a time of very important people. Um, I don't know who would be listed before our own Luke uh, little reading. Would it be, uh, I guess, like Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, all these important people live in our lifetime and they're doing, I suppose, important things. Um, But let me tell you, none of them are living out here in the wilderness with us. I can tell you that for sure. They're driving nice cars. They're flying in jets. They're sitting in meetings where they're the most important person in the world. But here we are, here you are, keeping our eye on the gas tank gauge, hoping the price will go down tomorrow. Maybe it will be 20 cents cheaper tomorrow, and I'll fill up then. Maybe I'll make it till then. Um, you know, while, while you're thinking this, you're saying, why was that lady at the grocery store so bitter and mean to me? Did I do something wrong? And you're also trying to, like, schedule a phone call with your friend, your family member, to keep that relationship going because you want to be a good friend. Yet, Jesus plans on and promises to seek you out to restore in the wilderness, in your cracked parking lot, where you live. He doesn't come and make his kingdom with those big famous people doing big famous things. Restoration begins in the wilderness. And yet, people did not allow the Israelites to remain in the desert. He led them through the Jordan River, out of the wilderness, and into the promised land. And maybe we can begin to see that happening today with John the Baptist. John the Baptizer, through this baptism, through the Jordan River, is leading the people that were waiting a long time for Christ. They're leading, he is leading them through the Jordan River, baptism, death, into life in the promised land, faith in Jesus Christ. It's just a brief glimpse of the mission of John the Baptist. Our hearts are drawn to Isaiah's promise, his prophecy. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. There's the beautiful gospel message that we hold on to in Isaiah. All flesh will see the salvation of God. But how do we Prepare the way of the Lord. How do we do it? And how will we know when we see it? God makes his own path straight for sure. Um, As Paul will later write in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, so the perfect moment in history, uh, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those who are under the law. I actually caught this in a verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing uh, when we were at the Lessons and Carols concert on Friday at uh, Elmhurst University. 
Though God finds the perfect route always and books his plans. He set up a bunch of prophecies. He promised the faithful of old that he would deliver on them through the Messiah, his own son. And then he brings forth one final faithful prophet to point to that son. And that's John. What does that faithful prophet say? He summarizes, Luke summarizes his message as a baptism for, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. With repentance being in Greek meaning metanoia or to change one's mind. And forgiveness meaning to release commonly from a debt or slavery. And this is what the angel Gabriel and John's father, Zechariah, predicted of John and his ministry, preparing for the promised Messiah. This is how the people of old prepared their hearts and lives for Jesus' arrival. This is how we prepare our hearts and our lives for the continued arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, in our lives in the wilderness. And it's how we will prepare and prepare each day for his final return. For most of you, Jesus has already made his path straight in your heart through the hand of a previous pastor. Uh, By the request, the loving request of your parent, you were baptized. The trail was blazed and built in your heart. I don't know if you've ever seen a trail built before, but often when you go on vacation and there's a sign that says trail closed for um, trail building, you get disappointed, right? Uh, But uh, it's quite the process. I won't describe it to you because it will be uh, too much of a aside. Um, However, when a trail is built, because you're not dangerous to go through the forest, through the wilderness without a trail, once that trail is built, it has to be kept. Is the trail in your heart, has the mulch decomposed by now? Is there overgrowth from sides of the trail that make it hard for hikers? Have old trees fallen over over the years and made impasses in the trail of your heart? John makes it clear, he says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. The New Living Translation, one of my favorites, puts it like this. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And then the famous follow-up, don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. We're grandfathered in. I love that. We've gone over many times before. One cannot even put their trust in the membership of a church or even all of the hours that they have spent on a leadership board for salvation. The only way to prepare the way of the Lord is through repentance, changing one's mind, and then the heart being changed afterward, realizing that you are a sinner 
that you are the problem of your own life, not anyone else, and then trusting in God for forgiveness. The way of preparation always has been and always is and always will be to repent. That's what Advent is all about, and that's John's message today. John reminds us all of those who came out to see him of what God has always said through his prophets, that the fiery anger of the Lord's wrath is coming. There's no way to avoid it. He says, you know, who taught you to try and flee from the day of the Lord's wrath? You have to face it head on somehow. It's coming and it will burn away anything that is dead because it is no longer receiving the sustenance from the trunk of the tree. And that sustenance, of course, is God's word. It's hooked up to your heart. The supply line, the, uh, the pump uh, coming from God, his grace coming to you in the community of faith. We all hear God's word and we proclaim it together in hymns, in the liturgy, the readings, and the sermon. And since we are Christians, have we taken Isaiah and John's advice and prepared the way? Paul talks about this. He writes about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, uh, each Christian should examine themselves uh, before they come to the Lord's Supper. I mean, what does it mean to examine yourself? Well, John makes it pretty easy. Jesus makes it easy. The apostles make it easy. And then all of the traditions that flow forth from that have made it even easier by uh, doing things like making, writing little prayers. If everyone could pull this thing out, from the pew. You'll open it up, and the first thing you'll see is it's probably given in memory of some blessed person. Like, God bless Fran and Jerry O'Connell. I have to go and see them again soon. Uh, but they gave us this one. Uh, we have all these prayers for worship on the inside. These are all here to help prepare you, examine yourself before you encounter Christ who comes to you in the worship service. Um, you know, there's one here for before worship. There's one for after worship, before confession and absolution, before communing, thanksgiving after receiving communion. These are all things you can do. If it's too much to ask, there's reading ahead the bulletin, which we all probably do impulsively, uh, skimming the readings, uh, reading through the hymns that you know you probably will be too scared to sing or something because it looks foreign, but you want to familiarize yourself with the words. Um, ultimately, the climax of God's divine service where he is serving you is the sacrament of the altar. Um, we know that each Christian should examine themselves before that, and it all takes different forms but it is a huge part of a mature Christian's faith life to do so. And so it's made easy for us. If you go to flip to page 
page 329 of the hymnal. I encourage you to do so. We have here Christian questions with their answers. Prepared by Dr. Martin Luther for those who intend to go to the sacrament. And these are just questions that you can ask yourself and read the answers and uh, prepare yourself for communion. You know, do you believe then that the true body and blood of Christ are in the sacrament? Yes, I believe it. What convinces you of this? The word of Christ, take, eat, this is my body, drink of it, all of you, this is my blood. These are all wonderful ways that I know you know this, but you can give yourself the peace that you do know it as you remind yourself and confess before God. Ask yourself questions like, what's happening during communion? Why do I want to go to communion? If the answer is ever because it's just what you do, if the answer is because I deserve it, I'm a member, I'm a son of Abraham, that's why John the Baptist has come to stir up your hearts. Ask yourself, truly ask yourself, are you bearing the fruits of repentance with the first fruit of John being to be baptized, that is a fruit that the heart is repentant. Perhaps it will turn on a light bulb in your head of why pastors always asking you to remember you are baptized. Whether you were, or where you were given over to God and his church, you submitted to a life of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus talks about this horrendous baptism that channels all of the scary stuff John talks about into it. The fire of the anger of the Lord coming to burn up all sinful people, all who are dead on the tree of faith. But that is Jesus' baptism, where he was baptized in the fire of God's wrath when he hung on the cross for our sin, and all of our sin was burned away. His death in which the complete unadulterated fire of God's wrath blazed against him. And the sin of the whole world was taken on himself. But there you are, in that baptism, baptized into it in the water, dead to your old life, alive in your new one, with the fire of God's wrath no longer burning you away because you are in Christ. Now the hardest thing we have to do to endure is wait for Jesus' return. But he returns to us each week in the sacrament, in the word. And so let us prepare our hearts for his arrival in just a few minutes by just sitting in honest confession and examination before he comes and as we come forward. I use my pointer finger, as John did, to point away from myself and to point to Jesus. Jesus is here. He's there. He's going to be right there on the altar. And that's why we have this altar here. That's why it's set apart in this space. He's going to come here. And he is here to burn away 
all the chaff of sinfulness in your heart and leave behind only what is refined and pure, pure gold, pure silver, completely clean, like one cleaned with fuller soap. So let us all flesh see the salvation of God, but taste it too. Amen.